With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is London Calling. Here is the last news bulletin for today. The time through which we are now passing is of exceptional character. Hello everybody and welcome to the Full Reptile Radio UFC London Fight Week episode You'll you'll notice I'm standing with the Elvis mic here Because I've still not got another podcast mic And because this mic's kind of cool And I can't be trusted with it And you can't be trusted with it Since since we've been doing the podcast I've been kind of coaching Owen on like holding microphones It's a bit of a skill as you'll know You're very good Yeah You project your voice very well You're very good at that (laughs) Owen Imagine Ross being naturally talented at something (laughs) Holy shit now he can talk into a mic. Motherfucker. Listen, I was going to bring this up real quick because on the way over, I, I heard that you said Ross was coming. It's not that you get nervous, but you get, it's, it's a bit intimidating. There's a dude, there's a dude there that's, that's completed swimming. Right? His arms, like, he could go to any fancy dress as Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the Incredible right? Hulk. Just yeah. spray him Just smashes the shit out of him, right? Oh. So I'm sitting there thinking, fuck, what have I got? What have I got? And the best thing was, right, bless you, he took his shoes off, odd socks. What? Now, I'm not taking this as the biggest win, but this morning I put on a pair of socks that match. True. So, so I win. I'll take socks over guns. You win at swimming. Everything else. The microphone, the guns. You've got a nice cat. Socks. Sorry, dude. This is basics. I panicked this morning. Like I said, it was three hours to get here. So I just got, you know, and then I immediately regretted it when I looked down and I was like, well, (laughs) I've embarrassed myself, quite frankly. We're we're on full reptile socks. We'll get get some full reptile socks sorted. About to say, I must do some socks. (laughs) They don't, you know. I'm just rogue. My feet are just rogue. (laughs) Maybe we make an odd pair or we'll do a full reptile warrior t shirt. It's called Odd Socks. Like, full reptile warriors. Ross, odd socks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Rossatron, odd socks. Rossatron. Yeah. I'm going to get Don't. dressed more carefully next time. <laughs> Dude, I need to take something out of it. All right. <laughs> this is it. I, I can't just. I can't come here like fully naked. I've got to have a bit of a win. When I get back to see my wife, and it's like, how was he? And it's like, he's a unit. And he's lovely. And he speaks very well. Microphone etiquette, fantastic. Do you want to marry him? Because I'll just, I'll lay down I'll my... I'll do the ceremony yeah. here right now. This is it. I'll lay, I'll lay down my wedding ring. Be 21 first, years. Be the first wedding on Full Reptile Radio. A live podcast wedding. I wonder if that's it. been done before. Introducing yeah. to my kids, this is dad. <laughs> The Don't look at it saved me. Yeah. The socks fucking hell saved me, man. So this week we're talking about it's UFC London Fight Week. We're recording yes. this on Monday, but it's going to be coming out on Thursday. So you're listening to it on Thursday. So hello, happy Thursday or Friday if you're a bit late. Don't be late. Don't have a bit um, late. <laughs> um, so all the cards subject to change. So if we talk about something on the podcast that's no longer happening, please understand we are not. We don't have a crystal ball here. John Jones They're isn't on it though, so we're all right. Mm. John Jones is not on it. No, no. Th- th- this card's going to hold together because I'm I'm going to meditate on it every day. British grit. 
Is this the first this event? Is what I think it is. There we go, that's it. Mm. it fight with one leg. A lot of these guys <laughs> on the card would fight yeah. with one leg. Or after, no, they, I don't think anybody on the card could swim around the world. If, if, <laughs> around if the you world. Guys, if you guys oh, Willie Fogg over there. <laughs> in 80 days. This guy swam around the UK. I'm just going to drop that in because I'm assuming you already know who he is. I hope you do. We've got another podcast coming out. We do, yes. Which is going to be coming out probably, I don't know, maybe we'll put it out on Friday. Maybe we'll put it out tomorrow. Mm. There we go. Treat for you. Um, fascinating conversation but uh, this one is going to be on UFC London is it your first event? it is you know never been before I know I know I I mean you know I'm a huge MMA fan huge but with very basic primitive knowledge so I'm very much a fan um, but catching up with you guys is always amazing because I get a bit more of an insight you know I'm your app absolute layman you know but I also love looking at it in terms of you know fitness and 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 kind of like the psychology sports performance um but yeah you know to actually go and see the first event I think it's going to be it's going to be different right it is it's it's like it's got that I mean especially the O2 arena it's got such a gladiatorial feel to it Mm. you you know what I mean and you'll feel that as you walk in as as the place starts to fill up and the you know the, the volume starts to increase as the as the evening goes on and the walkouts you get the, the energy from the fighters I mean I'm looking forward to getting to the fight hotel I'll, I'll be at the fight hotel from, from Wednesday from yesterday um, and the energy in the hotel is weird because everybody's on their own journey mm. they've got a few you know a couple of coaches a couple of teammates there but they, it's a very solitary process and that energy is in the hotel you know what I mean? You've got what? I don't know how many fights are on the card. Say, say there are thirteen fights on the card. You've got, you know, you've got twenty-six fights. There are twenty-six fighters in the same hotel, all going through loads of different emotions, yeah. really heightened emotions, weight cutting, hungry, angry, nervous. It's, I mean, it's a really weird environment to be in. You can feel it, and it builds all the way up to fight week. And then I think when people get into the arena and fighters start to come out, mm. they start to feel that anticipation. It builds as, as the event goes on to the main event. It I mean, is I wicked. Want, I wanted to ask you about that because sometimes you see that the uh, that mental warfare starts way before. You oh, know, you only real. have to look at you know McGregor and Aldo, and, and a lot of people claim he'd already won the fight because of the the world media tour and everything. How how much uh, goes on? And I swear, you know, you are the best person to ask about this. Is there any? gamesmanship you know so it's not necessarily against the rules you know but it's not in the spirit of the game you know to use that pretty <laughs> sure is, is, is there much gamesmanship that will happen there and then you know yeah. in the hotel to, during and, fight week yeah absolutely and, and, and do people go with a game plan 100 yeah I think really so yeah man you hear a lot of stories of people ordering room service to their room at stupid o'clock no really <laughs> all sorts of shit like that but i think the interesting thing for me because i've been around a few fight hotels and it was more some people absolutely rise to it mm. and are jonesing just to bump into that person, just to get a little bit of a, an inkling to see how yeah. they're feeling. And other people, they hate it. Like I've seen, because you bear in mind, you get there, you're either travelled and you're knackered or whatever you want to do and you just want to chill out. And then next minute, you have to go and have a face-off with this guy that you're talking a load of shit and then you're backstage again, 10 feet apart and it's like, yeah. what did you say about my mum? and you're hungry and you're weak right and you're anxious yeah and and then you see them again in the corridor and again and again and it's just one of them things where like I say some people absolutely rise to it like when we were with Stefan he's the nicest guy in the world genuinely and he was fighting Stipe and it was one of them where obviously he he knew I was a massive fan of the sport so when Stipe walked in he was like go over and say hi if you want go and grab a picture and I was like I kind of feel like I can't 
<laughs> because I'm holding your pocket. Right. Which is a bit weird. <laughs> but at the same time, he was just so, f- he was always switched on to just being the nicest guy in the yeah. world. So mm. it didn't matter who was there, who's ever beat him in the past or who he's going to fight in the future. Mm. He was just happy. But then I saw other people wouldn't come out of their room mm-hmm. or were just completely tense the whole time. Like, almost like they were tweaking, like yeah. stood in the in reception, like, I, I don't want to be here. I yeah. need to get out. I need but to go It was else. like when, uh, on the Adelaide card, the end of last year, when it was, um, uh, uh, Taito Avasa was fighting against no hang on I'm getting them JDS yeah Taito Avasa JDS that was it yeah and they that, that fight that fight week they went and they did a bunch of stuff together mm. and there was this video of them where it was like some kind of some kind of aboriginal tribal ceremony oh, I love that they yeah were like up and they were yeah. and they were like like one arm around <laughs> one around the other it's really weird how yeah. fighters deal with it so, I mean some fighters are just abrasive to everybody yeah. like if you're fighting Mike Perry He's not your friend. Right. Like he's me mugging you and like you know what I mean. He's he's angry all the time. Yeah. He was quite uh, friendly with the uh, was it Serrani? They were they were you know Re- yeah, respectful. Yeah, respectful. Yeah. Okay, but there was still he's that still, you know. Yeah, there's untell. no like smiling and being friends. Right. Like, like cowboy wants to be friends with everybody. Like yeah. he's always shaking hands with people. Mm. It, it's not until someone riles him or mm. you know or, like confronts him at a face-off or something like that that he does that mm. oftentimes he wants to be friends see that's why I'm fascinated by this like the, the, not being an expert in MMA but with a sort of sports science background even the weight cuts so you are essentially you know loading your body above its habitual level so that homeostasis your body likes that normal level and everything's okay your even your biochemistry hormones you know indoctrination system everything is as it should be but then you're going to do a weight cut so all of a sudden everything is thrown out of whack it's almost you know it's like a form of micro trauma that your body's then going through and i i find it fascinating that that you're going to do that then if you're stressed if there's mind games cortisol levels you know body stress hormone inflammation suppressing your immune system mm-hmm. uh, i'm a huge fan of max holloway i always found it really interesting that he gets his cupcakes delivered over from hawaii <laughs> and he's there going here's my cupcakes and I'm just sort of sitting there you know the the, the sports scientist in me kind of going "Mm, is that the most efficient way to replenish muscle glycogen that you've then lost for the wake up you know Maybe it's got a, a psychological benefit, yeah. but I'd be looking at that. And there's um, there's many fighters. I remember they pull out a drawer and there's just chocolate bars, yeah. and they're like, "Wee!" And I'm just thinking, "Wow, you know, you've you've subjected your body to this micro trauma. You've hit weight, but there's then in a very intelligent way to make mm-hmm. sure that you get in the cage and cortisol levels. Like I said, you've replenished muscle glycogen efficiently. Not only replenished muscle glycogen, but also rehydrated. There's a real science to that, and I think that and this is my question I suppose to you Dan it's kind of like you know is there a correlation between the fighters that will intelligently do that this weekend and those that maybe just you know just chow down on yeah. on takeaways and go wait I did it I made weight yeah and absolutely yeah mm. definitely there is I mean the thing is we don't really track what the fighters are having after they've weighed in a lot of fighters now are you know they're doing the smart thing they're employing someone that does it like our good friend Dean Amasingo who's I mean, he's one of the experts mm. in weight cutting and replenishing, you know, the all, all the necessary things that your body's had to uh, had to get rid of in that process. But I mean, I've seen fighters eat all kinds of things after weigh-ins. Like Anderson Silver, I think on the Wednesday before the fight, used to have two Big Macs. That was his. You know, and it, and it's a bit it's a bit of like a like a ritualistic thing, right? And and I, I don't. I mean, it's difficult because obviously there's a there can be a huge placebo effect in something like that. Mm. 
but at the same time I, like guys sitting in the stands right after stepping off the scales eating cheese sandwiches I have seen that as well and I'm just thinking to myself that that can't be good for you but mo- I think most people now yeah. are they, even at the lower levels they're kind of smart enough to yeah. you know to, to eat and drink the right things it seems strange as an outsider looking in because as you can tell from my body that I don't really consider a, a great deal I just <laughs> I, I you like the taste you're wearing. of it. You're always colour coordinated. Yes, I like to be on point. If my if my hat's black, my my shoes are normally black. Socks. Yeah, yeah, for real. I've got a pair of socks, and and it'll yeah. The colour coordination is important. But what I think is when I see a fight camp and it's been three months and they've been like real stringent to 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 give in before the fight, it's almost like. Bro, yeah. I'm not being funny. Like most of them see it as a finish line, and you even hear it a lot of times in the octagon where they're like, "We're gonna have a pizza or whatever it is," and it's like, "Yeah, that's awesome." Because was yeah. it uh, Ronda that used to have chicken wings, mm-hmm. or someone that there was always a little treat yeah. that was just yeah. that dangling carrot? Mm. I feel that if you have that on the Friday once you've made weight, mm-hmm. you've given in. Yeah, and but that's I, like that's like having a hot shower. It, it, like we like we mentioned on the other recording, like. Once I've done the weight cut, I don't I don't have a hot shower. Like a hot shower, a hot bath is my reward. That's like that's time to relax. It's a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Like the cold kind of keeps me focused and keeps me sharp. Feels like a little bit of a punishment. I mean, I'm sure you know your friend Wim Hof will disagree with me because he always talks about the benefits of it, which you know I do. Hey, Easy. Wayne Kirk. Hi, Sorry, Wayne, Wayne boss. I've got shout to, out to Booster. Yeah, I've we'll got give to, you a call back. I have to mute um, you for now. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, where were we? Yeah, so I, I just, I can't wait to see, and, and, and certainly chatting to you, that there's this, the fight is won on lost, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, the fight is won and lost, you know, away from the lights before I dance under those lights, it's won on the streets. And I think it's exactly the same, you know, that with this, you know, being so close to home, and certainly my first uh, UFC event, that the sports scientist in me is just fascinated that, you know, it might not necessarily be the best fighter, but maybe the best prepped. And I think that's, a, that's the next front tier of MMA I know we talked so much on our other podcast about you know sports psychology but sports nutrition as well and I think you know those who do it intelligently it's it's nice to know that there is that evolution within MMA Um, but I just I didn't know if that happened you know or not I suppose my my, my other question that I wanted to ask you as well was uh, well you can mention names or not I would like it but is there anyone in terms of uh, their prep, whether it's gamesmanship that, you know, obviously we saw Leon Edwards and, and Till, they were kind of going at it. I thought yeah. that was amazing. Will there be any sort of that? We know that Ben Askren is rumoured to be coming to London. I've heard yes. Ben Askren's going to be in town. Yep. Do yep. you think, you know... I think there'll be drama between him and Darren Till. Pre-fight, think, uh, post-fight? Yeah. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, really? Really? Wow, okay. I think he'll be looking, he'll be being abrasive to anybody on the card, especially the welterweights. I mean, what have we got? We've got... Um, so we've got the main and co-main event of both welterweights and then we've got Danny Roberts and Claudio Silva as well I, I can see him just being abrasive to all of them because that's his game the thing is the, the thing is with Ben Askren because he's such a strong wrestler but he's lacking in the striking department mm. it's much easier to get to have him overcommit on your, on your striking mm. to make his takedowns easier if you're cautious and you're picking him off and thinking about defending the takedown it's so much more difficult for him to get inside Right, so, so so it works. To His make you angry, yeah. That's why, wow. like, like we talked about, talked about um, uh, Aldo and McGregor the, the other day. Like, perfect example. Perfect example. Got mm. him fired up. Got him angry. So when the fight started, that anxiety in Aldo was bursting out of mm. him. And you know, ten seconds and he runs. Thirteen seconds later, he's fast asleep. But you can tell that that's even from 
I know you mentioned the World Tour, but when he touched his shoulder, mm. Mm. something so insignificant, but it was he was just proving a point. It didn't matter if he went like this or touched him on his anything. He was just making a point going, look what I just did. And it's almost that I'll ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> and when Jose didn't want to give him either, it was a case that you could tell. And a lot of people, even when they look at the, the McGregor-Aldo thing, because we've spoke about Aldo a million times because he's one of the best in the world, but because the Connor train came along and brought with it so many brand new passengers that were so used to seeing Connor, they were like, ah, oh, he knocked out that punk Jose. I'm like, no, 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 no. Jose's the man. He's like the, the best in the world. Don't discount him just because of that. Yeah. But when you see it undo and you see how clever Connor was, he even mimicked what he was going to do like it was a choreographed routine. When you watch the, oh, the, the, the changing mm, yeah. before, and he said, and he even mm. mimicked what Jose was going to do, pulled a face, bit down and sort of stormed in. And then Connor was bouncing backwards and forwards as he does. Mm. And to see that someone's got that because of his confidence yeah, in what he's yeah. done by pinching his shoulder... Yeah. is because even even if Jose was like nah it's fine and someone he gets back and his his wife goes don't let him do that mm. is that what don't let him do oh no no it's fine no no no, no. don't let him don't let him mug you off like that people, yeah. a yeah. lot of people like that and then yeah. before you know it you start thinking fucking hell was there more to it and when the thing really with the belt as well I mean two yeah. things with the belt one where he's got it over his shoulder and he's looking at, at, at Jose through the glass through the, through the window <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and the other one where um, at the in Dublin where well, he, he just grabbed, grabbed the belt yeah the belt, yeah know? Like, I mean, what do you do if you if you Jose in that position? Do you just go, yeah, we'll take it. I mean, yeah. you're not the champ. I'm the champ. That's the right thing. I to flip do. the table yeah. and double like Dana and be like, out the way, bro. <laughs> Big Steve, chill. You stay there. Do you know what I mean? He's the only one that you don't want to mess with, Big Steve. <laughs> Steve. I'll introduce you to Steve. He's a, he was a, well, I, I might be wrong. I'm sure he was a Royal Marine. Large gentleman. He's, he's a, Can't a, miss him. Oversized. He looks oh, like, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. He looks like the Hitman. I don't know if he's got a barcode <laughs> on the back of his neck, but he genuinely looks like Hitman. <laughs> but but yeah. with with those sorts of strategies, do you see that playing out with, with um, you know, Till and Masvidal this 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 weekend only because and I loved it there was in the build up fight they sat opposite each other and there was that interview and it was just so cordial everyone yeah. was so polite until just said I believe I'm going to win and knock you out and then you know yeah. George replied and went well this is why it's a great sport because I believe I'm going to knock you out and one of us is wrong and it was so nice yeah. and I think when you you know certainly with with Till talking about his, without knowing too much about him but he talks about quite openly about his his past and where he's you know he that man has lived you know you think you've seen a lot yeah there's probably a, not a lot that could rile you mm-hmm. and equally with Mazda but when he's used to fighting on the streets he's yeah. street fighter it's like yeah and I can't remember who it was now but um uh they were fighting Tim Kennedy and I can't remember who it was um or it might have been Brian Stan but certainly that breed and they just sort of said there's not an awful lot I can do to get in their head because with Tim Kennedy, Brian Stad, you yeah. know, decorated, still trap, military, you know, that it's just what a there's no time. point. Yeah, there's no time. point. I do th- you see that with 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 these two? Yeah, do you see Absolutely. that massively? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. If yeah. you if you look at Till, the difference is sorry to cut you off. You're good. The reason that Till's got this stage at the moment is because what he did to Cowboy Mm. so he jumped onto the scene and then everyone grabbed him and loved him straight away so his story was publicised about the stabbing about how he is and who he is and all the rest of it Masvidal has got almost exactly the same story but no stage Mm. so it's almost like I likened him earlier to a Diaz brother because the Diaz brothers go out there and they get the notoriety but 
they make out they don't want it or they just they they act in a completely different way to it as if they're too cool for it yeah. and Masvidal's always been in that vein because he's got what some like 45 fights yeah. and he's a fucking badass I mean even with long hair now he looks even he looks even more savage <laughs> when he showed up for that face off interview he had his slides on you for real <laughs> like freezing cold yeah he's got to playing with <laughs> his slides on Socks yeah and slides but the, the difference with with Masvidal and with a with a Diaz brother a Diaz brother almost justifies their their attitude whereas Masvidal goes I don't need to bro he yeah. just seems way more chill with it and I think mm-hmm. that in turn is way more dangerous for Darren Till yeah. way and more dangerous and that's why I again as a as a as a layman as a, as a fan but not really understanding the fight game like you you do I'm sitting there going that seems very dangerous. He's a legit threat to Till, but Till just doesn't, he's, he's taken the fight. And certainly at the moment with, you know, money fights and people kind of, you know, calling out bigger names because they know that's going to draw, you know, Daniel Cormier has been very outspoken saying, I want Brock Lesnar. Why? And he's not saying because I believe it's going to test my skills. He's like, no, money. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, fair, fair enough. You've been very honest. John Jones, exactly the same. I'll move up to featherweight, uh, to, to heavyweight. But the only way I'm doing that is if I get paid. Yeah. You know, so exactly. very honest. So when you look at someone like that, I think it's amazing, so admirable that he's just kind of gone, Masvidal is, is a legit beast. He's a savage. And I'm coming off a loss for the title. It would, yeah. it would make commercial sense. It would make business sense for me to take a fight that puts me straight back in the running. Mm. But no, I'm going to take on this absolute savage. Yeah. Do, and I suppose, you know, my question is, is that a good business decision or does it not matter? Is it good in terms of your fight legacy? I love what you said that within the industry, mm. everyone's almost like tip of the cap going yeah. till fair one, yeah. you know, but, but then does that pay the bills? Because it's also, you know, the UFC is now becoming a very much a business. I'm yeah. conflicted. See, now, I think in modern MMA... I think a lot of fans are now getting to the point where the Conor McGregor 50 G's baby it's all about the money (laughs) I think that's getting old already I think people gravitated away from other sports and towards MMA because Mm. MMA was not about money because there wasn't any in it Mm. and now we've had this injection of money and there's been a lot more of a a conversation about it yeah it's Mm. become a little bit repellent and I think that people will gravitate more towards fighters like Darren Till and Masvidal because they're there for the fight. Amazing. You know? Yeah. So, so ultimately, in the short time, short term, I think maybe it's not a good business decision because it is a high risk. I mean, I say low reward, but I can't help but see it from the perspective of Masvidal is a badass. For real. Yeah. You know? Okay. Mean, you know, it's so difficult to finish him. He's difficult to to be in every range because he's so skilled. He's experienced, so you're not going to be able to get inside his head. You know. I think it's. I think it's. There's a lot of credibility in beating Masvidal, and I do think it keeps Darren right up near, right up in that top five. Okay. At the same time, there are much easier fights out there for him. Mm. Absolutely, there are, and I think that Masvidal is one of those kind of people that it is difficult to look good against. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you look at it because what you've just said there about the business idea or the business proposition as opposed to the combatant. Because mm. when you use someone like Dan, for example, never really bartered over money or fight, never turned anyone down. And he's got the audience never he has from money. it. <laughs> yeah, never got paid. But if, you look, if, if we use Connor as number one and we say, yeah, he's massively sought after and all the rest of it because of the noise he made, the closest second most popular fighter ever in the world in the sport of MMA is probably Cowboy. Because yeah. Cowboy does it anytime, anywhere, any any place yeah. for, for, for whatever. And he normally gets probably the most performance checks. 
Oh, and yeah, now Joe Lozon's not there. He's, he's pretty much up there as, as, as bonus, right? So, yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. And there is the businessman looking at it as far as DC wants Brock and all the rest of it. And I understand that when you when you come into winding up the end of your career and you know you want some of that fucky money to be able to lean back on. But ultimately, Till is still, he just, he's he said it so many times. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I want to fight and I want to keep going and going until I'm the best. I, I want some. I don't care. That's I don't care. I just want someone to the best. They're all going to get it. Yeah. And that to me, that's, that's way better because look at Cowboy. Cowboy is a forever fighter. He's forever. been there way longer than Connor. He'll probably be there long after because Connor's got this thing about him now that he's going up and down. You'll still always tune in, mm. but you're not convinced of his heart after the last fight or whatever. I know he's coming back and he's obviously selling his story to say what he's going to do next. And I'll always be interested. And I love him as a fighter. But the difference is with Cowboy, it doesn't matter who, he could fight my nan and I'd still watch it. I'd be well interested because, <laughs> and he's not doing it. I don't genuinely think he's doing I it for the purse. That. Oh mate, that, truth be told. I mean, really? yeah. she's legit. Yeah. Yeah. She's legit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't fuck around. I'd just say he's stolen your, he's stolen your lighter or something like that. Like, <laughs> fuming. But that's the difference. You've got the, you've got the bad business decision, but best legacy. Wow. And ultimately you've worked your way there and you've always been a pioneer of the sport. Or you could have someone that's clocked in, grabbed the cash and mm. bounced. And they just don't live as long in, no, in, in my eyes. They, mm. they, you don't seem that you're like, oh man, I, I wish they came back. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can feel the intention of a fighter as well, I think. I, I think that's why, you know, like when, when Woodley fought um, Damian Meyer, like there was booing for the last 10 minutes of mm. that fight. And I think that's because people can feel that the intention is not to win the fight, it's to win the decision. Mm. And I think fans gravitate towards intention a lot more than they realise. Mm. And I think that's because people's bullshit filters are up now. Because they're, you know, marketing's oversaturated, the money talk's oversaturated, the, the bravado and the showing off, people are starting to, like, gravitate away from it a bit. Bravado in the sense of, I am this person and I can do this, but when it's not backed up, the, the investment in that person dwindles. Mm. And, and Darren Till and Masvidal are, are two people that, like, Masvidal's fans have been fans since the beginning of his career you know they will follow him no matter what win lose doesn't matter I went a four fight losing streak and my fan base grew because of that because mm. I was just real I'm like you mm. know shit happens I got you know, punched in the face it doesn't it's about the journey as mm. we, and we I know we keep teasing it on the other recording it's not about the destination it's not about you made it to the world title it's about how you prove your character in that process mm. and I think taking a fight like this shows character in both fighters because Darren Till didn't couldn't find an opponent either. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. I mean, like the idea was to get Colby Covington on this card to fight Darren Till mm. for the interim title. And, and Imagine, was, yeah, oh, yeah, that's now that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Especially yeah. going back to what you were talking then, you know, with motives and what fans will sort of gravitate. I think his, you know, marketing or persona, whatever you want to call, it, I think it's very interesting. I think Colby would have struggled with British banter. Because <laughs> he'd come out and try to do the whole shtick, and, and wow. Darren would be like. No. Don't want to start that, don't yeah. <laughs> you? Know, chill your beans. But that's my other question as well. I mean, obviously, this is my first UFC event, but also as well, um, you know, with with Britain having this kind of rich heritage, boxing, Queensbury rules, and I think it's evolved now. I mean, how you, know, you, you guys have been around the world doing this? How does a uh, British audience vary from, say, you know, Brazil, America, and and is it evolving? Um, I, I think it is changing. I think the education in the different areas is evolving. I think like uh, I was in uh, Copenhagen this weekend and 
um, you know, I mentioned it to you guys. Like the the fight, the IQ, the fight IQ of the people there watching was was on a different level to what I've experienced most places. Like if I go to a Cage Warriors event here, like we went to Birmingham, didn't we? For 90, yeah, yeah. Was it ninety nine? Yeah, it was. Like you can feel who in the arena is supporting what fighter because they're there for that fighter. They're quiet, you know. They they watch the fights, they chat with their friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like local pockets, come, exactly. Of people, but like when their fighter comes out, they're like, "Oh yeah!" Like like, oh my goodness, someone's just giving them adrenaline shot. Yeah. <laughs> that in their bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, uh, what I noticed in Copenhagen was that people were they were following the fight. They were cheering position changes. They were cheering every fighter that came out. And I think what I'm starting to notice more than anything is there's an appreciation for the fighters no matter what happens in the fight, as long as they show character in the fight. And that was always something that was that was prevalent in Japanese MMA. When you go out to Pride, like you can be a superhero and you can be zero and ten, as long as you show up and you just give it everything. Yeah. And that's why there were so many people in, in old Pride that that had crossed over from pro wrestling, because they were they were good athletes. They knew how to land, how to take impact. Hmm. They could be tough. I mean, they were very durable. Japanese wrestling's almost pretty much a full fight anyway. Yeah. And all they knew is if they got in there and they took a beating from one of these world-class fighters, that their stock would rise massively. Then they'd go back to pro wrestling and make a bunch more money. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's about showing that character. Mm. And I, I'm seeing it... I, I see it in the US, but I see it less in the US. It's much more... It's much more hype based in the US. And I think that's just how the sport's marketed. Yeah. Is that maybe because they've got more of a stock? Like because they've got more people. I think so. Like in the UK, like you were saying about Cage Warriors '99, I was sat there and I was shouting for Adam because obviously Steve's brother. I mean, I want Adam to win, but like two two seats away from me was the guy's fiance. I'm like, I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> Go on, Adam. Sorry, Doc. <laughs> in the face, smash him in the face. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it's like, you just feel like a piece of shit. And I mean, there was a shout out to Matty Byfield, MMA. You know the guy I mentioned? Like, yeah, I was yeah. sat and there was this big dude sat behind me and he was breaking down. He was a fantastic commentator, but he was breaking down the entire fight for his girlfriend, who I think it was her first fight that he'd gone to, that she'd gone to. And the thing was, it was only after the fact that we got talking and he said, dude, I'm so sorry if I said anything offensive, but it was my boy that was fighting Adam. And it was only when you stood up and I saw his name on the back of your hoodie that I was like, oh, what did I say? And he said, I was trying to replay in the back of my mind. What did I say? Put him in a body bag. <laughs> Kick him in the dick. But Matty Byfield's just got a title. He's just won. Is that right? I don't know where it is, who it's with, it but it was impressive and he won. So fair play to you, my dude. Very cool. That'd be a good business, actually. Like, for people that are going to a UFC event for the first time, like, Matty could hire himself out as a just personal commentator. <laughs> yeah. He, he was, just, honestly, you know, he was his ticket, so good. Like, yeah. cover his ticket plus 50 quid, you know what I mean? And he'll come and sit next to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how often do you idea. hear someone having a conversation <laughs> and referencing small joint manipulation and not talking about MMA rules? I was like... Small <laughs> joint manipulation. Yeah. I'm like a roach yeah. He's got, like, a bobby pit. <laughs> Um, right, let's but, but on that note as well, to talk, I mean, we were just talking off air about this, about other fighters kind of going out on their shield mm. as well. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, I know you're a fan, oh, you were just talking about him. So I know... This is a great fight. Yeah, so, so uh, again, as a layman, why, why is it such a good fight? Because I'm a fan, mm -hmm. I think he's a legit beast. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, please, sort of educate. Well, okay, 
so I'll I'll give you my technical and then you can give the fan perspective okay. because the, the 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 aura around Gunnar Nelson is is something that's very different to most fighters. He's very stoic mm. and he's, he's just got that calm presence. Like you stand next to him and you feel like you're meditating yourself. He's he's, got, he's very very peaceful, very mellow, but he's he's an absolute killer. He's very very vicious. The difference with Gunnar Nelson and Leon Edwards is that Gunnar Nelson is very linear in what he's trying to achieve, and there's no real variance off that. You know he's going to stand in his karate stance. He's going to look at leaping in with a fast, fast rear hand, whether that's southpaw or orthodox, and then he's going to use that as a segue to clamp onto you. He's going to drag you to the floor, and he's going to attack your neck from the front of the back until he finds the choke and finishes. And that's always his path. We very, very rarely see him divert off that. Yeah, sometimes he has to be more creative if his opponent defends takedowns or whatever. But generally, that's the path that he follows. Leon Edwards is a counter-striker that's very, very fast. And he likes to stay on his toes and read his opponent. So, um, you know how we said, you know, that the winner of this fight will fight their fight. It will be the one that fights their fight. Gunnar Nelson always fights his fight. Win or lose, he follows that path. Leon Edwards is a more reactive fighter, a counter-fighter. So he's much more about reading his opponent. That's why he tends to finish people later in the fight or win by decision. Because he's, obviously, especially at the higher levels, these guys are more difficult to read. Less have, mistakes. Exactly. Less mm. mistakes, fewer openings, those kind of things. Um, so it's going to be much more about Leon Edwards kind of being on the back foot and trying to hold Gunnar Nelson's pressure off mm. until he can find his opening. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, the, the only times we've ever seen him stifled, as much as I know the Rick Story one was an earlier loss. Yeah. Then Damien Meyer, you can't even question that's Damien Meyer. The one, the massive thing that, that hindered him was being poked in the eye a lot. Oh, by Ponzinibbio. When he fought Ponzinibbio. So yeah. even though he got poked, he still carried on that same path mm. that whole time. And the problem is, even when you saw him fight Cowboy, so it was the Alex Oliveira Cowboy, I genuinely, as soon as I saw that fight, I was like, Gunny wins this all day. And Cowboy came out and smashed yeah. him for the first round. But that was a different Gunnar Nelson. Completely, that fight, yeah. Like, I he mean, was full reptile in that fight. Yeah, sure. right, right. Well, he was cut open. There yeah. was like ten gallons of blood. It was literally. It was. It was like if you ever see UFC eighty with uh, BJ Penn and Joe Daddy Stevenson. Joe Stevenson. Wow. You know that's that's always the photo that's used as a as a counter argument for MMA. Like, yeah. this is disgusting. <laughs> this should be banned. It's, and it's always a photo of BJ just, Penn on Joe Stevenson's yeah. back. She's with like it, blood pissing down his face. And that's the event I give people. I'm like, watch <laughs> this. <laughs> You'll love it. <laughs> so I think the thing is with Gunny, I always expect him to win no matter what because he's just got that because he's so quiet you think fuck me you've got a confidence mm. I can't question that yeah. whereas I think if there is a massive upset this weekend I think that that it could go Robert's way I'm not and I'm not counting Gunny out but Sorry, Edwards. Roberts, he's a ref. But Leon Edwards, I can see... I always do that. Yeah. But well, I don't do it on commentary. Yeah, yeah, no. I do it in my living yeah, room thanks, when yeah. I'm talking yeah, yeah. to Ben. <laughs> 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 the dog. So I think, I mean, to be fair, Leon Edwards is legit. Mm. There's there's no doubt that he shouldn't be where he is fighting Gunny. But I just, I just it's, when you see him come out, he's just so... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's one of them because obviously I know there was the eye pokes and stuff, but Cowboy caught Gunny quite quick and look good doing it and to be fair if you'd have scored it on the first round Cowboy won mm. but because he got into the second round and obviously going to got to sit back on the seat they like they say always start standing and he got to implement his game plan and to be fair he, he looked savage he looked like he went he as you say full reptile sunk it in and it was just it was done mm. whereas unless Leon Edwards implements some eye poking mm. or he's got a really heavy hand 
I think I, I give it more Gunny, but I think if there is an upset for this whole card, mm. I think it could be that mm. he catches him. See, I'm, I'm not making any picks on this card because I'm coming. He's not allowed. I was well. just about to say, I, yeah, I, I was going right, right, okay. Right. That's why I'm in the middle on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and then, so very quickly, Owen, as well. Um, so you're going Gunnar Nelson on that one, retrospectively. Till? Maz- because Maz- I want Till to win. So, so. I'll, I'll say, because my head and heart always fucks me over big time. Okay. We always have this conversation <laughs> because it's like, if you ask me if you wanted to put money on this and it was a case that you were losing your house, I could tell you a different story, but right. it's head and heart. And I feel that I can never say what I, what I meant to say because I'm then jinxing the person that I want to win. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> okay. I want Darren to win. I think it's a really fucking hard fight and it's Jorge's to take if he wanted to. But I think if Darren can start fast, he's bigger, he can implement and he's in his hometown. Well, he's in London. So I think he's got so much to give. Okay. And, and I can't count him out and I'd love to see him win so I can't take that away from Jorge because he's just so fucking good okay. so I, I don't know okay so you're going on the fence and then Gunner second well I take Darren I'm definitely putting my name on Darren and I think Gunny so you're going till Gunny yeah okay who, who else is on the card because I can't ask you now because you're, uh, well, <laughs> you're like Switzerland you're in the middle of, you're like okay, well, okay we've got Volkan Uzdemir on the card yeah. who's Swiss Volkan yeah. <laughs> uh, Uzdemir against Dominic Reyes Dominic Reyes is 10-0 and 0 at light heavyweight and he's and he's looked like an absolute savage. killer yeah. yeah he's one of those new like like the Johnny uh, Johnny Walker Johnny Walker, Walker. Yeah, man. And, and you know what I mean there's like there's a few guys just breaking through I would say the first one's Anthony Smith who I mean three yeah. fights and he's at a title show. Yeah, I, I feel like there are a few guys guys that are right there um vulcan's on two losses though yeah exactly, exactly. that plays big yeah you find someone that's but who was it who was that to you though that Vulcan. dc and to smith well yeah, yeah. so it's Which kind I'm not of di- like i'm not discounting no it. i get i get but you're like Mrr. so 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 yeah how's that gonna play out well his like, first was it 15 fights first 15 fights he finished them yeah, within like just, 25 seconds he's so good at close just range. clubbed people he's wow. so good at close range Dominic Reyes he's, he's, he's like he's 6 foot 4 he's got a 77 inch reach he's, he's like very tall and rangy huge yeah. right and he fights at a real distance you know what I mean so I mean it's not huge in comparison to uh, John Jones who's 84 and a half <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, yeah. that's alien-esque yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the only guy that rivaled it was uh, Stefan Struve yeah. who's now retired <laughs> and how tall is Struve by the way tall. right okay yeah. wow. 7-1 <laughs> yeah. he's wow. still growing he's still growing Jeez. that's obscene you should see you should see his bed yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's insane <laughs> I've not been that often. It's not like leaving Neverland. Jesus. (laughs) Shout out to MJ. (laughs) So so not necessarily your pick, but how do you see that that playing out? Is it a a game of distance? Yeah. Is that... Okay, so the winner of that is the person... You know more about MMA than you're letting on. No, I don't. He's he's got a full pro career under him. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I I think Volkan's going to try and close distance on that one, try and use angles. And I say, I think Ray's going to try and stay long. Use a lot of front kicks to the body. It, Vol- if Volkan can close distance and use his short range power, it's, it's a you know that's a good fight for him. But so it's, I think he's going to be gun shy. You reckon? Yeah, I think he's going to yeah. get clipped because of the two losses, and because Reyes has got broken. He's ten and out. Yeah, he got his old Volkan squash mop so. uh, against yeah. what Smith or DC? Uh, against Smith. No, did DC break it? Yeah, Smith, Smith definitely broke it in the first round. End of the first round with a big left hook, yeah. quite unclean on the nose. That was I. I love that when when you saw Volcan and DC and and I mean, I think DC again from my basic knowledge. His his 
IQ is fight IQ, but also that like stoic. I love what you said that like stoic. The same with Gunnar Nelson, but DC, you can't, aside from Jones, <laughs> I've not seen many people rattle him. No. And the Vulcan fight was a brilliant one when they, they passed each other in the hotel. And then, you know, DC was there going, yeah, keep walking, keep walking. And then you saw Vulcan paused and was like, well, you know, I probably need to go to the bathroom, you know, but if I yeah. keep walking now, it looks yeah. like he's told me to keep walking. Yeah. And I found that really interesting, you know, that, that there was those mind games happening, yeah. you know, there and then. So you, you, so you think he might still be a little bit jaded from that and therefore you're leaning towards Red? I know I can't ask you now. Maybe. Falcon can turn it off at any point. He can, he can finish you with one shot. We know that. But the difference is, is if he has got any sort of doubts in his mind at any point, it's yeah. during this por portion of his career, because that will be three. And as we know, historically, three and oh, you're out. <laughs> Unless you're Dan. <laughs> but yeah. other Unless than that. he's got a cool haircut. Yeah. <laughs> and he buys you one extra credit. <laughs> yeah. So all the young fighters out there, get yourself a creative haircut. He has, he has grown a slick <laughs> beard. I've seen Vulcan's beard when you interview, oh, he has, interviewed yeah, him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, I was watching him uh, training in Prague. I mean, he looks, he looks really good. So right. It's like he's been working a lot on his grappling as well, which I'm... I'm interested to see how that plays out. I think his grappling's underestimated. Mm. He just when he fought Smith, Smith just accepted being on his knees in the turtle position and just defended the choke the whole time. Yeah. And Volcan just kind of got frustrated because his nose was already bleeding. Mm. And it's exhausting because mm. the thing is, I can, I'll never forget when we were training back in the day, and I can remember I was on someone's back, and he said, "You feel really tense." And I can remember after trying to the rear naked, it should be the easiest move. It should be the easiest one to pull off. And I was trying to get someone in a rear naked, and I was just that tense that he basically got off. Absolutely, he he got out, and he's absolutely fine. He just sat me down and said, "You were really tense." And I was almost shaking with adrenaline and just exhausted from trying. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is, when obviously Smith is, he, he said that that was his game plan. Mm. I mean, a lot of people think, "Wow, you you let him exhaust himself by smashing the face." That's weird. Okay, <laughs> nice one. But it works. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it works, man. Thing. It works. And this is it. So I'm I'm not saying I want to see Vulcan be gun shy, but I think the problem is we see it quite often. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about it earlier, like you did your swim, and it was almost on a fuck it. <laughs> let's go everyone was saying to you dude you should be half dead but you're like no it's good I'll keep going and I think we see that a lot with fighters people like Mike Perry come on the scene shout the mouth off a bit go on that fuck it rampage and just smash people mm. and then when someone goes ah this is your career it's safe if you win and he's like oh what if you win another yeah. one it's safe and we'll give you this much money and they go oh and it's almost like GSP I'm not saying GSP was, was driven by the money because obviously he was a legend but the difference is when he was building up to those title fights and he smashed and smoked everyone and came out looking like a savage to then win the title. And it was almost like, oh, I, I don't want to let that go. And he especially was a bit when, more careful. Especially when Matt Sarah reinforced it. Yes, reinforced Matt, Matt Sarah gave him that reminder. Mm -hmm. And it was all, it was someone like Matt Hughes. Can you remember when Matt Hughes lost to BJ Penn? Yeah. Was it BJ Penn? Yep. And he said, I'm glad. Thank fuck for that. I, it's just, it's just a monkey off my back. Wow. I didn't because or a BJ he was, pen on your back. Oh, for real! It was a very <laughs> slick BJ pen, very quickly on your back. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was almost like they didn't want it anymore. So, almost with that, to have that pressure yeah. is a weird thing because you then you, you get so good at your craft that then you have to start learning it when you've gone off instinct mm. for so long. Yeah. It's a weird. You yeah. see it with so many fighters. Yeah. It's overthinking things. Yeah. It's yeah. The same thing. You know, mm. Mike Perry moved to uh, Jackson Wink. He was in a gym where there's a lot of technical information coming at him. The idea of game planning instead of the the game plan being connect your knuckles with their face and they'll probably mm. fall over. Mm. I mean, it's that single mindedness. The intention is 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 a big part of it. It's a, it's, mm. a, it's one two three go. 
obviously I've mentioned the kids before, but it's a lot of times with the kids, like when we're on holiday and we're jumping into the sea or we're jumping off a wall into the pool or whatever, and they'll stand there. I'm like, I'm not sure. I've already chucked them. It's like you're going in. Yeah, yeah. And then they're safe. They come out and they want to do it again. But if you ask them, what do you think about doing that? Mm. It's a completely different story. Like, I'll never forget when Moo was, I think she was one, and we went to one of the play, play areas and it's wicked soft play. There's one at... Um, Wheelgate and the indoor play area is four stories high and it's got a vertical slide. It's fucking brilliant, right? So wear something really fluffy. So obviously I get to take the kids in because they're like, Dad, you don't need to come in anymore. I do. Straight to the ball pool. <laughs> in your pajamas. Yeah, that's it. I've got like socks on my hands, socks up like go over my joggers. But I can remember Stace was stood at the bottom of the slide because I was going up there just to have a look around. And then I just dangled Moo, MJ style, over the slide. And then just let her go. And I've never heard a squeal come out of stage. So, and Lipman got up and she's like, again, more, more, because she loved it, because yeah. she didn't know there was a fear there's something you should be worried about. And it's, it is the one, two, three, do it. You can't yeah. ever think. And it's like you were talking earlier about Ngarnu and, um, was it Lewis? Yeah. Just overthinking. One, two, three, go. Holding back. Yeah. One, yeah. two, three, go. I mean, we talked about on, on the other podcast whereby it is essentially like a ninja you know so with the Royal Marines we were talking about that exact same thing the Royal Marine psychologist said to me Ross you need to be like a ninja and I was like I'm immediately interested what do you mean yeah. and they just said a ninja has made peace with the outcome the outcome being death I They're thought you were going to get that. the socks with the toe in. No. <laughs> you know, like the cool shoes. Tabby. Tabby. Tabby, that's yeah. what they're called. Yeah. That's what ninja starts. And so when you're, you don't fear the outcome, you can focus on the process. Yes. But if, you are, if you're fearful of the outcome, you're not actually focusing on the process. So it's exactly that. That I think to, to bring it back with, with Vulcan, if he is there and he's already made peace with the fact that it could be his first, third loss, yeah. and that's fine, but do you know what? I'm just going to let my hands go. I'm a ninja. I'm going to focus yeah. on the process. You're saying he might come away with a W. If yes. not, you'll go in Reyes. Yeah, yes, but only because the UFC is in such. It's just the pinnacle. Mm. You've worked like a motherfucker to get there. No one just drops in. No one mm. falls into the UFC and was like, "Oh, fucking hell, that was good. CM Punk, maybe." And I love CM Punk, but he bought his way in and he had to go as a wrestler. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's a great guy and he had to go and it was a nice storyline. But the difference is, is I don't really remember a lot of people going in on a loss and just coming out with the absolute win. I mean, Benil Darouche, this weekend just gone. They even did a, a little piece on it to say he's going to get back to his best. And he got smashed for the first round and then won. And it was like, mm. that's the fucking story out of everything from that weekend. That's the story to say, holy shit, this guy was top 10, fell out of the wayside a little bit and then has come back and destroyed him. But you don't often see someone pull that trigger really hard after that loss. Do you know what I mean? Other than GSP and Matt Serra when he was just proving a point. But it, it's so there's hard. Usually, there's usually like a cautious one that gets them back in a win. You know what I mean? They're Definitely. Like, you know, they, they, they won't take as many risks. Was it Jimmy Rivera recently picked up for his yeah. first loss? And then his second fight, his next fight back was just a bit cagey, a bit too much consideration as to what happened. You know, as they're saying, um, what's it called? Last Samurai, too many mind. It's the same thing. You, you, you're not focused in, entirely on one thing. It's not being present. And I, I feel like a lot of fighters, particularly coming off a loss, and when you lose and lose and lose it, it compiles it, and then you start to feel that weight. And each loss, each win after the after a following loss, the next win means even more and even more, and the risk yeah. is even higher, mm. and the falls even further. Mm. Like two losses, two losses in a row, and I mean, you know, he has the potential to drop a lot further here because he's fighting a guy that's had ten fights that's kind of just found his way into the limelight. Yeah. 
But the pressure builds. It's like having three lives on a video game to make it really, really stupid. Like when you you first got that first life, you don't give a shit. It's like playing Street Fighter. The first round, I don't care, I've lost a round. Oh, and what? Second round, if it gets close, you're done because that's it. But if if you're, if, if you, think fuck it straight away and it's easy for me to say because I've never stepped inside a cage competitively but good at street fighter though um, don't test me we, uh, listen I'm, uh, yeah I'm going to take Ross home <laughs> pull out the SNES and be like listen we're just going to do this real quick he's like no I've got shit to do I'm going to go and swim around the Antarctic no 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 I'm going to teach you how to fight with Ken or Ryu but that's the difference I think when you've got a little bit of credit to play with mm. ah fuck it it'll be alright but then mm. It's like one of my friends that I used to work with. He's one of the biggest dudes I know. He's fucking hench, but he's got one lung. Mm-hmm. And it's one of them where he said to me, he's like, before when he was okay, or it was all right, I didn't mind. But now he has to consider so much more. Yeah. And it's like before, if he'd got into a fight and had a problem, then he's got two. Mm-hmm. So not that people target the lungs to like take them out, oh, but it, yeah. obviously now he's only got one and he's seen as this massive guy. So he's automatically a target. Mm-hmm. He used to work doors. And then now he's like, oh shit, um... And it's almost like he's trying to bubble wrap himself a little bit. Yeah. But then he's trying to talk himself out of being bubble wrap because he doesn't want to live his life like, oh, yeah. Yeah. best not go in the hell to skelter. It's a weird spot to get caught in. For real. It really is. So, so on that note with the card, is there anybody who's almost like the uh, the opposite to, to Vulcan? Is there anyone, you were talking about uh, Tills, uh, I know we're jumping a little bit featherweight, yeah, um, no, but, but um, anyone who's just full of confidence, they're going in, they've got a point to prove. Is there anyone who isn't gun shy, who you're like, that is... Is going to be an unbelievable there's going to be fireworks is there yeah. is there a pick that you would say that's exactly the one I was going to say there, there are two the first one I would pick take Nathaniel that. Wood <laughs> I'll be in sync uh, Nathaniel Wood was a Cage Warriors champ um, he's uh, Brad Pickett's uh, student wow he's, he's, a, he's a special athlete he's got great hands he's a very exciting fighter um, I'll have to send you a link to his fight against uh, uh, Josh Reed. You don't need long to watch it. Oh, wow. Okay. It was wild from start to finish. And it was back and forth. And I mean, he's, he's a real blood, sweat and tears kind of fighter, but at the same time, he's got a lot of technical ability to back it up. Mm. I mean, I've just pulled up his record here. So he's on two, three, four, five, six. He's wow. on a seven fight win streak. He's wow. on two wins in the UFC so far. And look at his last streak on Cage Warriors. He beat Kovacevic, Reed and Iovine in the first round with punches. Wow, wow. Vaughn Lee, who was a former UFC vet, he beat him in the second round with punches. And then we've got Johnny Edward, who's one of Aldo's training partners, and Andre Ewell. Uh, he beat them both by uh, by submission. And he's doing so, it all quite quietly as well. Very quietly. He's a very quietly spoken guy. There's not a lot of ego to him. He's just very matter-of-fact about what he can what he can achieve. I only know of him because I mean, of Brad. Last, his last mm. loss was a doctor stoppage because he broke his nose. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, he's got he's got a couple of legit losses. A loss to Ed Arthur. But, I mean, since that... since those losses they, they've been motivating factors that have spurred him on and mm-hmm. I just think at this point in time he is he is one of the most exciting fighters that we've got coming out of the UK wow. and Bantamweight's wide open for someone with the, his skills to step in mm-hmm. but know? there are there are others on the other side of the coin the other one's Grundy that's the oh, other sorry, one go on. you, about. Yeah. you mentioned Darren Till's training partner yeah. so, so you you were saying he's a legit specimen he's a monster he's yeah. an absolute beast yeah he's he's a Darren Till's train, uh, wrestling partner uh, 11 and 1 at the moment he's a Commonwealth medalist yeah. in freestyle wrestling wow we, there's a photograph of him we're, we're just looking at the photo of his, uh, of his <laughs> tapology thing we'll drop it in the bottom corner yeah. um, he just looks like a monster and when you see him move I mean, you've got to think this guy's, he's a featherweight, five foot eight featherweight. So he's fighting at 145. So he's probably walking around at 160-ish, maybe a bit more. He's training with Darren Till on a daily basis. 
<laughs> makes no that's sense. That's almost unfair. That defies physiology. You know I mean? it's, yeah, yeah, it's not fair. So you've got wow. to think that not only is he training with Darren Till, but he's also he's a, an excellent wrestler that's in a gym with Colin Heron, who's a great Thai boxing coach, and Darren Till, wow. who's an excellent MMA fighter with a Thai boxing skill set. And then the one other guy we can't forget is Terry Etim, who's in that gym. Mm. Terry Etim. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the unsung legends of, uh, of UK MMA. He's, I mean, an incredibly talented fighter. And Grundy's making his debut against Nad Naramani, who's a former Cage Warriors fighter as well. Um, really, really tough fighter. Good fighter. A scrappy, like, sprawl and brawl wrestler. Good takedown defense. Um, beat uh, Paddy Pimlet by decision on Cage Warriors before he signed with the UFC. Um, so do you see that being a uh, a battle of, of wrestling? Is, is it does one stand out in the stand up? Is there? I would say Naraman is probably going to have to try and keep this one standing um, because if he finds himself wrestling against Grundy, I would imagine that's where he's going to struggle. Right. I mean, the, the, the one thing that Naraman has got in his in his corner is the fact that he's had two fights in the UFC so far, so yeah. he's not you're not battling with the octagon jitters as well. Okay. I mean, whether Grundy will do that or not, I mean, he's a he's a high level athlete, so he might not, but. At the same time, the UFC is an entirely different thing. I mean, you, you'll feel that when you're there just as yeah, a spectator. Yeah, you can't prepare. No. You can't prepare for that. No. no, no amount of visualization prepares you for being in the in the octagon. It's, yeah, it's an entirely unique an attack space. on the senses. Yeah. Just kind of okay. Yeah, right. So, and go to the toilet early. Right. <laughs> you, you'll miss at least two fights if you need a voice. It's bad. This is, this is going to be a wild... Uh, oh, Amazon's advertising Lego to me while I'm on topology. Look at that. Lego Star Wars. What we have Empire Strikes Back. Betrayal at Cloud City. Oh, I'm going to have to... Save it for later. That. Save it we for later. We need Lego to sponsor we'd, the podcast. 100%, mate. <laughs> we'd literally just spend... a sponsor. That's it. All day. Definitely. I, just... Touching really quickly on what you were saying about people being gun shy and maybe sitting on a couple of losses or something. There's a fight on here which is Joseph Duffy and Mark Dear Casey, which is going to be outstanding because mm. Mark Dear Casey came in and was smoking people, mm. just starching people, and then has had a couple of losses. And the same with Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy was the last person to beat McGregor before, obviously McGregor before lost to, to yeah, and did it convincingly. So essentially, people were shouting for that fight quite quickly. When he was, who was he fighting for? Bama or Cage Warriors? He wasn't in the UFC at the time, and they well, were like, "When he beat uh, McGregor?" No, when he beat McGregor was back in the day. So Mc, the McGregor Warriors. burst onto the scene, and then there was a bit of noise about Joe Duffy. Like, oh, he actually beat McGregor. So then they sort of brought Joe Duffy into the UFC. I think with an intention of rematching him at some point, which wow. obviously then kind of just went out of the stratosphere. But the difference is, if they're both on losses, it's not really an opportunity yeah. to be gone shy. Mm -hmm. It's it's a tricky one because like, they're both coming in to like Fishy had it the other week that both of um, when Fishgold fought against um, Zippity Doodah. Yep. We'll just insert that there. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his I name. His, well, his brother was on the Ultimate Fighter, and I can't remember his oh, name. Uh, Swedish yeah, Daniel Tamor. Uh, Tamor, sorry. thank you. Yeah. So when he fought Daniel Tamor, they were both on losses, and Fishy pulled out the performance of a lifetime. Mm. But he still felt bad for Tamor because he was in the same position of Fishy before the fight that. They're both, one of them's going to end up on a bigger loss. So I think Dear Casey's got a massive just, right hand. Just on Fishcold, that's a good example though, because he came into the UFC after loads of hype as a former Cage Warriors champ. He, he came into the UFC expecting, everybody expected big things off him. And in his first performance, it was in Canada, Moncton, yeah, yeah. Canada. And I remember seeing him in his corner and I could just, I could just feel the anxiety coming off him you know what I mean like he's built this this moment up in his like in his in his head for many many years he's had a lot of fights you know and he's standing there and he's like first time he's in the UFC you've got to think Bruce Buffer turning to you and saying Ross 
Edgley, you're like, oh shit, this is the UFC. Uh-oh. This is amazing. You're like, it's really surreal. It's like an out-of-body experience. And sometimes that can be really empowering. Like it was for me. Like I was like, Bruce Buffer, this is awesome. I'm ready. Let's, let's fight. Let's go. Whereas Fishy was like, oh, oh, this is the moment where I've got to, I've got to go. Like this is now. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's go time now. And sometimes that you can see that it affects fighters' performance. I mean, Fishy, because he's a fighter, he came out and he was guns blazing. But the difference with that energy is that when you're throwing your punches, you're not necessarily measuring the power because emotions come in through the movement. So you're going, ah, and when you throw them with power and you're missing or they're landing on the guard, you just run out of gas. And that's what happened in his first fight. And it did to an extent happen in that second fight. But that was because he'd already had his UFC debut. He'd already lost. So that was, that was then compounded yeah. by his next fight. And I mean, he came through it. He, he yeah. got he got caught a couple of times in the first round, and he and he came through it. But it does. I mean, the pressure mounts. Of course, from one loss after another. I mean, the thing is with Joe Duffy going back to that, he's he's coming off one loss to James Vick. It's a big one, though, man. It's a, it was a big one, and it's the first time he's been stopped with punches as well. And as a boxer, yeah, predominantly a boxer, that mm. might play on your mind a bit. Mm. I remember the, when when Condit knocked me out for the first time. I'm like, oh, I've been doing that to everybody else, and now someone's done that to yeah. me. Mm. And there's all there's like there's an acceptance of that vulnerability. I used to just watch loads and loads of Vanderlei Silva fights. Watch him just taking punches. I'm like, oh, that's that's fine. He can, he can take <laughs> cool. Is there any, any other fights you want to mention on the card? Let me um, have a look. We've got uh, Arnold Allen. That's worth a watch. That's definitely worth a watch. Oh, but Danny Roberts is on Phillips there. Is going to yeah. be a war. Both of them. Are They're both Welsh. Handed. They are both Welsh. They're both mm. heavy handed. I tell you why it's going to be cracking, is it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great card. Um, I'm down there from for everybody listening. Um, we've got what we got. Open workouts Wednesday, so you've missed that already because this is not come out then. Um, media days happening. It was right amazing now. yesterday, it was right? Amazing. <laughs> Open workouts and they all look spectacular. Um, weigh-ins are tomorrow if you're listening on Thursday. So weigh-ins on the Friday. Uh, we've also got Polaris on Friday night, which if you can't make it live, mm. it is on UFC Fight Pass. Okay, Polaris. You you dig that? You were saying that's that, your segue yeah. between uh, swimming and MMA. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna put you in a grappling tournament. Wait, you what? We're, <laughs> we're taking him to the gym right now, which is why we're ending the podcast. We're going to the gym. We're gonna do his first uh, grappling session. And from that point, you'll be hooked, and you'll be like, I think he just has one go. I can see you just don't. having one go, and all the way back, you're gonna be like. That was the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Someone ringing about swimming up. Yeah. Yeah. How much are you weighing, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know at the moment. I mean, maybe 90, maybe? 90 kilos. Maybe, yeah. So we're looking at, we're looking at middleweight for you. <laughs> let's let's I'll, stop I'll, this now. I'll send in the middle, <laughs> middleweight rankings on his way home. Today. <laughs> I'm going to make a website. If I turn up on Ross Friday. <laughs> Ross Edgley's going to yeah. be on there. Ross, Ross Edgley fighter. Yeah, Ross Edgley MMA.com. <laughs> We'll have, a, we'll have some branding. We'll have something. Oh, look at his, yeah. <laughs> Spray him green. Yeah. I just want to see you grab someone. You say like, this. No, no. Just pull the arms no, off of him with this no. on the end. I'm worried now that I'm going to armbar myself. Like, that's what I've been saying today. Honestly, I swimming, not even swimming. I'm good at floating and eating. That's what I'm good at. Like, let's <laughs> lower expectations. There's a, lot, there's a lot of explosive energy, though, that comes with arms the size of thighs. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When I'm thinking, yeah, I'm doing this right. It's like, no. Like, ah. yeah, you yeah. pulled my arms out there. Yeah. I'm going to hit the ceiling and fall back down. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that. Okay, no, no, well, no. we'll train something else. I reckon you have one go. No. One go, you'll love it. No. Yeah, we'll we should, we should We should do a weight cut at some point. Though. That'd be good. I would be well up for that, actually. Cut, yeah, cut middle weight. Especially if what you were saying. Kilos. 
what what you were saying about that 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 practice and the, the hot and cold, I, I would honestly love to just you know do that for for as we talked just about self improvement, science, spiritual reasons, whatever you want to call it, to just go through it. I would mm. be fascinated to do yeah. that, hundred percent. Cool. Yeah, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, it's been awesome. guys. Owen, thank you so always, much, thank you, my dude. Savage. Thank you, everybody. Catch you next time. Full Reptile Radio. Enjoy the fights this weekend, UFC London. <gasps> it's gonna be big. They can do something. No other kind of lizard can do. It can run continuously for a very long time. And that enables it to become an endurance hunter, chasing down its prey.